There's never a good time for your furnace or air conditioner to stop working. But we're honored that for the past 100 years, Atlas Butler customers have relied on us the night before Thanksgiving, the day before their wedding, and even Christmas morning for fast, convenient service. Your trust means everything. Call today, get it fixed today. That's our pledge to you. Atlas Butler is at your service call. Listen up, gamers. Mountain Dew has always been your go-to for a refreshing citrus kick. Now it's also your go-to for gaming rewards. With Mountain Dew Gaming Rewards, you just look for codes under the caps of specially marked 20-ounce bottles of Mountain Dew, enter those codes online to bank points, and then redeem them for awesome gaming gear. Everything from gift cards, game copies, controllers, consoles, custom Mountain Dew gaming gear, and more. Join Mountain Dew Gaming Rewards now. Open to legal U.S. residents 18+. Subject to program terms at mountaindewgaming.com. It's 1525. Order prohibited. Warning, this episode contains foul language, jaw-dropping revelations, and is sponsored by FabFitFun. podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we have the pleasure of sitting down with a friend and chatting about something weird. I'm your host with the most, Ashley, and I'm joined again today by my co-host with the also the most, Lauren, and a great brand new friend of mine, Hannah Bowens. This week is going to be part two of our second edition of Unsolved Mysteries. (laughs) I love that. Part two of second edition of third season. This is what happens when you have over 100 episodes. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention, we totally missed our 100th episode. Do you think it's because we work too hard? This is technically our 109th episode. And that is absolutely outrageous. It feels like we just started. Thank you so much to those of you who have been with us since the beginning. And hello, welcome, hold on to your butts to those of you who are just now joining us. We love you all. Anyway, back to Unsolved Mysteries. Last week, I brought you the crazy history and all the theories involved with the Voynich Manuscript. Actually, one of our listeners wrote in, Justine Binks, I hope you don't mind that I'm saying this, Justine, but Justine messaged me on Facebook and she asked if I had thought at all about the Voynich Manuscript being related to the lost city of Atlantis. My jaw dropped. I had never even thought about it. Listen, yes, I know Atlantis wasn't real, but what if it was... Some of the mythos from Atlantis include that the inhabitants might have been some sort of alien civilization, that they had exceptional powers like the power to control weather, modify volcanic eruptions, electricity, which would explain quite a few of the drawings. And there was a legend that said that they had some sort of device that allowed them to channel energy from time and space. 
Maybe Atlantis wasn't real, but just this month it was announced that a long-lost eighth continent was found buried deep beneath Europe. This thing is literally the size of Greenland. Sure, it sunk into the sea 120 million years ago, but if we couldn't locate a continent in the ocean, who's to say what else is down there? Maybe this was a written record of an unexplored part of the world with an advanced society who's now lost forever. That would explain the plants that don't quite look like what we've got, the strange technology, possibly even the star structures, and even the unknown language. Very, very cool theory, Justine. Thank you so much for shooting me that message and giving me another theory to explore and inevitably obsess over. So Voynich blew our minds. This week, Lauren is going to be discussing a mystery that I knew about, but that has had some recent and very interesting updates, just like when she did Dyatlov Pass. It's like it's fate. Okay, okay, on with the show. Enjoy your next tale, The Mystery of the Summerton Man. Speaking of codes, let's get into (laughs) another story with codes. It's like kind of a segue, but kind of not because the code is like such a small part of this. (laughs) The story has so many elements, but there is a code element to it as well. So... I gave a poll to a few of my friends, which I did our last Unsolved Mystery Story too. I did last time the Diet Love Pass story, which is very famous. And this one is also very famous, but apparently still somewhat unknown. So sorry if you've heard it, everybody. But if you haven't, buckle up. This is the Tamam Shud case, also known as the Summerton Man case, about the mysterious man on the beach in Australia. Mm-hmm. So we're about to jump in, everybody. This story blows my mind i've never heard of this that makes me happy yeah ashley has hannah has not i had heard of it maybe heard like one or two details but did not know how deep it went and i was blown away so i'm gonna kind of go into the story how people happened upon it first and then we'll get into some more nitty-gritty details and then some theories yada 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 so this is how it all went down On November 30th in 1948, at about 7 p.m., there was a man named John Lyons and his wife walking on the beach on Somerton Beach. And it's this tiny, sleepy little beach town in Adelaide, Australia, like small town. It's just like the beach and some surrounding housing, like very chill. People go there to just get away. What year was it? Relax. 1948. 1948. Okay. The couple noticed a man propped up against a concrete wall across from a children's home that was near the beach, and his legs were outstretched, but his feet were crossed as if he was just like completely relaxed, like looked in chill mode. He was dressed immaculately in a full suit and polished shoes, which was very strange attire because it was like a warm summer night Mm -hmm. on the beach. Um, And the couple recalled that the man was only about 60 feet away from them. And they both swear, obviously there's no way to prove this, but they swear that they saw him raise his right arm and then let it fall to the ground. So Lyons, the husband, said that he surmised the man was making a drunken attempt to light a cigarette and his arm just kind of fell to the ground. He looked very inebriated and they walked away and just said, there's a drunk guy against the wall. So then about another 30 minutes go by and a second couple spots this same man against the wall. And they say his left arm is splayed out on the ground and his face is covered by little mosquitoes, which to me would be like, 
is that guy alive? But to them, they were just kind of joking around like, whoa, that guy is so drunk and passed out. He doesn't even know mosquitoes are on his face. And they sort of laughed it off and kept on their way. So that was like the last (laughs) that this guy like may have possibly been been alive if he even was. And then the next morning, December 1st, 1948, at about 6.50 a.m., a bunch of people who had been horseback riding, that's all that was known as these people came by on horses. I don't know if they were just romantically, you know, riding some horses on the beach, came by the body. And then also the same guy from the night before, John Lyons, was swimming in the ocean. And all these people around the same time saw this man against the wall, but they had now all realized that he was deceased and was not looking so hot. So uh, they called the police immediately and everyone came to check out the body. And an initial inspection of this man at Summerton Beach revealed no obvious cause of death. There were no bullet holes, no stabbings. He was not bleeding from anywhere. Mm. He said he was clean shaven, no bruises, looked very nice in his suit and his shoes. Um, They imagined that his death was probably very peaceful. It looked as if he had died in his sleep. They don't know if it was an overdose of something, too much alcohol, because he looked just like he'd been sleeping. And then his heart just stopped sometime. So three hours later, after the body was discovered, it was transported to the hospital. And Dr. John Barkley Bennett estimated that the time of death was to be no earlier than about 2 a.m., Um, And the pathologist who was attending, John Dwyer, then analyzed the body and rigor mortis had already set in. So he said everything was very stiff and the ears and neck, um, everything looked completely normal. Like he was looking for signs of any type of like head trauma. Strangulation. Yeah. And if any marks or bruises were around the head, he said everything looked fine. And he also was able to indicate through a study somehow the body had not been moved after he had died. So he was, he died the way at the, the beach in that The possession. way the blood pooled. Yes, the way the blood was pooling. How they it seemed figured out. as though he had died in that position, sitting against mm-hmm. that wall. So again, this man was sharply dressed. He had on boxer shorts, a white t-shirt, a thin red tie, light brown trousers. He had on his trousers. His britches. A brown sweater, a brown double-breasted coat. His shoes were perfectly polished, like really clean, um, the biggest thing investigators noticed was th- his shoes were so clean and his suit was so put together. It looked as if he had zero intention of going to the beach. Like he didn't want to get anything sandy because his shoes were so clean and polished. And especially for that time, like if you were dressed up, it was with intention and purpose and you were going out. But in his pockets, doctors found a rail, a railway. I'm struggling with my arse. <laughs> throws a, a railway ticket to Henley Beach and also a bus ticket to North Glenig. Um, They also found an American-made metal comb, a pack of Juicy Fruit chewing gum, a pack of Army Club cigarettes, a handkerchief, and a pack of Bryant and May matches. And a lot of the things, why they listed them, um, a lot of the objects that weren't bus tickets and train tickets seemed as if they were American-made. I guess Juicy Fruit hadn't really made it to Australia yet. It was Mm. a very American gum. And they also had that American-made metal comb and the Army cigarettes. Everything seemed to point to that he was American from what they could find on him. Um, All the tags and labels on his clothes had been clipped off. There were no labels. One of his pants pockets had been repaired. I know. It is like the Joker. We solved it. Second Joker. Close the laptop. Done. Call Yale. Call Yale. Yale back on the phone. (laughs) Yeah, get them back. back. During our break, we actually phoned them. (laughs) 
Um, one of his pants pockets had been repaired. A rip had been repaired with an unknown type of orange thread, also believed to be American made, never seen in Australia. Many believed because of the dress clothes and the belongings, he was for sure American. But the Somerton man had no wallet, no sort of ID, nothing else on him except for these random collection of objects. As for the man's body, the pathologist Dwyer, guys, it's going to be an evening. (laughs) Dwyer reported that the man's pupils were smaller and unusual looking. Um, Even in the outline, they were a strange size. So certain drugs could have been associated with this. Even barbiturates could do this. But there was nothing. There were no traces of drugs found in his system. Um, he had a lot of blood in his stomach, and the pathologist said that blood in the stomach suggests that some sort of poison had probably been ingested. But again, nothing detectable was found in the food in his intestines, saying that it was a poison. However, there are poisons that can go into your body and then dissipate Disappear. and not be found. So he said, I'm not ruling out poison. The blood in his stomach really points to that. This is a big possibility. Potassium. Yes, absolutely. Get poisoned with potassium. Yeah, it could have been so many things. So he's like, he's really thinking poison from the blood in the stomach, but it's very hard to mm. have evidence to support these things when you just truly have a trace of nothing. But, and also it's 1948. So like, so what were like, you really mm. doing? <laughs> you didn't have much. Yeah. <laughs> didn't have Our the CSI proper DNA testing. Yeah, for sure. What they will be. <laughs> no, it's mm. so true. Um, the man had very athletic legs, even though he was middle-aged. They thought he was yeah. probably about 45, 46, but he was looking real good, you know? <laughs> Just he like those babies. We were all those wondering. Bod babies. We were all wondering. Guys, he for sure had an eight-pack like those he had babies. The abs of a baby Jesus. <laughs> the abs of baby Jesus, y'all. Um, they thought he was probably in his mid-40s, but looked damn good, you know? Yeah. His forearms were tanned. His toes oh, were yeah. oddly... <laughs> oh, Yeah. His toes were oddly mangled as though they had been consistently shoved into tight shoes. And because of this, it was believed that he was probably a ballet dancer, which is important for later. You really took a a hard left turn there. He's a hottie with mangled toes. Tan. Fucked up toes. Toes absolutely Are you looking for the perfect guy? Hot, tanned, washboard abs, mangled toes, and tight shoes. (laughs) (laughs) My voice went really commercial for that, and I was yeah, proud of it. That was, it was really great. good. Go on, sorry. He, the ballet, ballet dancer, dancer toes will be yes. important for later. Okay, I'm pointing to both of you. It. You hold on to that. So, <laughs> Thomas Cleland, the coroner, later had hypothesized that there were two lethal poisons that could have decomposed in the pot, in the potty, in the bathroom, <laughs> no, in the body. <laughs> Leaving no trace. Never give me rosé for an episode. I prefer it when you can't talk. (laughs) This reminds me of the Holly Weird episode with Blair when she made us whiskey punch. (laughs) And I was speaking nonsense that entire episode. I was like, I think there was a ghost in a movie studio, but I can't be sure. I mean, you got to get inside the head of this person who may or may not have been intoxicated. True. Or poisoned. Uh, Alcohol is poison. We did this on purpose. This is research. This was for research purposes. Purposes, ladies and gentlemen. Is that the episode where you said spatial effects? Yes. Spatial effects. <laughs> and I wasn't trying to be funny. I genuinely thought I was saying special effects. And I go, so this was a lady who was in spatial effects. <laughs> and Blair was like, stop. <laughs> what did you like, just what say? What happened? <laughs> Whiskey uh, punch. Okay. Two lethal poisons can quickly decompose in the body, not potty, leaving no trace. Digitalis and strophanthin. 
Who knows if I'm pronouncing that correctly? Strobthanthin. One of those. Either poison could have been administered to the Somerton man and decomposed before the autopsy was performed. So again, we can't rule it out. Those are two huge possibilities. Um, then in January of 1949, so just a few months later, a suitcase holding dozens of items was uncovered in the coat room of the Adelaide railway station close by to the beach. Also where he bought his train ticket ticket from where he was clearly planning on traveling, but never made it. It had been checked in the day before the Somerton man's body was discovered and police suspected it probably belonged to him. And it was clothing and like those found this on his body. This was a couple months later? Yeah. What kind of shoddy police work? Right. Go they on. were mostly just focusing on the body True. for so long and were like, but we can't figure it out. And it's like, look around the town. Look around. So again, 1948. So. Yeah. But this is now January 1949. They finally find the suitcase that he had checked before this trip that he never took. So in it was clothing and like those found on his body, all the labels had been removed again That's mysteriously. Weird. And a waxed orange thread, just like the one on his pants, was also found. Um, the names Keen, K-E-A-N-E, and Keen, K-E-A-N, so spelled differently on a couple different items, they were written as if like he was labeling his stuff. However, when they looked more into this name, there were no missing persons from this name. And also, I'm not sure exactly how they found this out, but upon further investigation, they realized the items that were labeled with Keen had been bought at secondhand stores. I think they were able to track down receipts of some kind, or I don't know exactly. But when mm. they tracked the Keen lead, it led to, like, it was kind of a dead end because it clearly had nothing to do with this guy. And any okay. Keens that existed were alive and well. And it just, it didn't lead to anything. A pathologist who was re examining the body around this time found a mysterious slip of paper. This is where it really gets interesting. In the man's pocket. His pants pocket, which read, to mom should. So that's why this case has a name, to mom should, which are the words torn from a poetry book called the Rubaiyat, which translated in Farsi means it is finished or it is ended. So somebody Wait, the pants or him, on the body or in on the, the body. Uh, okay. Yeah, sorry, I should have specified no, on no. his body because they were re-looking at the body, kind of reopening things like, OK, we found this suitcase. Mm-hmm. Let's look into this a little further. So I think. The pocket was maybe a little more inside. Nobody had looked at it. Maybe the weird orange thread had sewn it up. So this was more exploring was going on. They found this rolled up slip of paper that said to mom should it is finished or it is ended. And it is from the back page of a poetry book called Rubaiyat. So this was enough for the coroner, again, Thomas Cleland, to deem that the man's death was not natural. And he was the one saying, you guys, this... He didn't just die on the beach. Like, he had this page in there for a reason. We need to look into this more. Um, And shortly after the first inquest concluded, police appealed to the public to help find the book, the version of the Rubaiyat with the missing words to mom should, because they realized after looking into it that it was the very last page and it had to have been torn out. Mm -hmm. And this book was rare enough that they thought if they did a public plea, people would come forward and say, I've seen that book. It's missing the last page. Let's go after it. So an anonymous, at the time, businessman came forward with the matching copy. Retired detective, now Gary Feltis, who he has been like the number one dude. I love this guy. He actually wrote a book on this, which I'll mention later. But um, he has investigated this case for decades, poured his life into it, interviewed everyone who could possibly be involved, like went to the ticket taker at the railway station, which for whatever reason, police were completely ignoring, like going to the little spots you wouldn't even think of. 
Um, he found this man and he has finally revealed for years this guy was anonymous but now more details have come out he was a chemist named john freeman he was the one that came in with the book so of course you think well look into this guy why chemist? did he have the book He's a chemist? Yeah. like no a chemist he makes all the sense but apparently they looked into these guys and didn't really see a reason for them to be involved and their story did sort of check out i don't know again Back in the day, whatever, maybe they were just trusting them. But apparently, John Freeman, the chemist, and his brother-in-law shared a car. And they at one time went to Somerton Beach. And the brother-in-law remembers getting into the car and seeing the book just like kind of tossed in the back seat, and thought, oh, this is my brother-in-law's book. I wonder what he's reading. He flipped through it, didn't really get anything out of it, and put it in the glove box. And John Freeman kind of had the same story. He was like, I remember seeing my brother-in-law flipping through a book and putting it in my glove box. And he said, I just assumed it was his book. And he'd read it later. We shared this car. It was a no questions asked situation. But then when the police were looking for this book, that's when the guy was like, dude, your book in the glove box is the book they've been looking for. And his brother's like, I thought that was your book. And they both just claim it was tossed in their back seat the day they were at Somerton Beach. And they have no idea who threw it in their back seat. Like maybe the windows were rolled down and someone was just ditching it. And again, police investigated them and had no reason to believe that they were involved. They believed their story. Um, So sure enough, on the last page down where the bottom line to mom should would have been, it was completely missing. Um... So once the book was handed in, it also revealed two final clues. On the back cover, a sequence of letters believed to be a code and a couple of telephone numbers were scribbled down. No one has been able to decipher the code, just like Voynich. Um, This case, even when international, they got the FBI and the U.S. involved. They got Scotland Yard involved. Yeah, especially if they don't know what nationality this missing person is. It's like, hey, you might have a missing, you know, American person. Yeah, so they're trying to get everybody on their team. American soldier, no less. Yeah, they're like, we think this guy is American, so FBI was their number one. They're like, we have no clue what this is. Scotland Yard had no clue what it was. Um, Some specialists who look into it believe the letters could be some sort of mnemonic device whoever wrote them was trying to remember phrases and was just using the first letters of the words because apparently most of the letters used are most commonly first letters of words it's like w's and b's and d's a random collection and just kind of an assumption it's just like the best guess they can give is like these sound like the first letters of phrases or possibly just words so they think it's a mnemonic device that's the best guess they have but really nobody has any idea what this collection of letters means that's the best guess they have so the phone numbers there were two one of them was a complete dead end it was a deadline but the other one belonged to a nurse named jessica thompson also known as joe thompson or jesse or justine or justin it's j-e-s-t-y-n which makes no sense because her name is jessica but she was also known as justin um, she lives just about 100 meters from where the Somerton man's body was found. And I'm an idiot and heard meters and was like, but I don't understand. So it's about 1300 <laughs> feet. <laughs> so super close. She lived very close to the beach. So it's fishy. Why was her number in there? Um, when she spoke to police in July of 1949, she told them she did indeed once own a copy of the Rubaiyat, which is bizarre but she denied knowing the Somerton man at all and claimed that the copy she owned was lent to a friend of hers named Alfred Boxall. Did she know Farsi? Oh that's a good question. I actually don't know that for sure. That seems weird. I know like why she would have that book but apparently it was a pretty it was not like 
there weren't millions of copies sold, but it was popular enough. I like the best way someone phrased an article I read was it was kind of a trendy book to own at the time. Like mm. it the was a 12th century book of poetry yeah. and people I think just like thought I should have this. And maybe she was able to translate the words somehow. It didn't sound like she knew Farsi, but we do find out later that she knew Russian. So who oh, knows? Maybe. I know okay. she's fishy on all accounts. She's guys. got Listen to this. way too many names. She has too many names. For too many person. names. Randomly knows Russian. Don't just trust her. She gets even Oh boy. Justin. (laughs) Justin. So the copy that she owned was lent to a friend of hers named Alfred Boxel. And police. Sure, it was. I don't believe anything you're saying now. Police did track down Alfred, and he was very much because they thought, well, this is our dead guy. They heard that name, and they're like, Alfred's our dead man, and he had the book. They tracked down Alfred. He was very much alive, and he still had his copy of the book. Mm -hmm. So that lead was a dead end. Um, But one tiny thing of note was that in his copy of the book from. Jess was the signature Justin, which is why this name came forward, J-E-S-T-Y-N. And they asked her if that word had any meaning and like how that nickname came about from Jessica or Joe. And she said sometimes people at work would call her Tina because of her body size, which I don't know if that means like tiny, tiny? Tina. Yeah. So they called her Tina and she said Justin was just some sort of combo that she made of her name. But knowing how much she likes to like change her name in her story it made me think it was just like a name that she gave this guy that she loaned the book to but anyway intrigued by jessica joe justin whatever the hell you want to call her even more police took her to see a plaster bust that they made of the man's head before he was decomposing anymore um they wanted to get a couple people in to look at this plaster to say do you recognize this man because his body was quickly changing shape Um, And according to reports, she behaved very strangely when she saw it. She never revealed why. She simply said, no, I don't recognize this man. But apparently she turned white as a ghost and looked as if she was about to faint. She got very anxious and shaky. And it was obvious that something was going on. But she simply said, no, I don't know this man. Um, One other sort of witness. Justin. Justin, what you up to? There was a hotel receptionist that worked in the Adelaide Hotel across the street from the train station where Mystery Man left his briefcase. Um, She claimed that she remembered seeing a very strange man in a suit with a black suitcase staying in one of the second floor rooms a day before he was found. She said he went up to his room but then left very shortly after check-in and she never saw him again. But she just remembers him behaving a little strangely. So she's kind of like the only other sighting besides the people on the beach. So that was just something of note that didn't really go anywhere but was just sort of like maybe. But no record of him checking in. Or, like, a name for that person? No. I don't think there was a name. I think he was able to, like, pay cash and just be like, I'm taking this room. So there wasn't really any record of him. My name is Room 7. Exactly. So there wasn't much going from there. My my name is Tom and Should. (laughs) So Mom Should. Dig it down. (laughs) Um, So that was kind of all the history of it. That's what happened, like, within those first few months. That's all they found. Those were the people they talked to. That's what they got. So now we have some more current updates. This case is still a mystery to this day. I'll say that from the beginning. Sadly, most don't of get the your key hopes up. Yeah, yeah. don't get too excited. Most of the key witnesses are dead, and that is the biggest issue with all of this. Is that who are you going to interview and ask? Um, it's an open inquiry with the major crime investigation branch in Australia. It continues to be. I mean, people aren't fully giving up on it, but it's very difficult. Um, luckily, genetic testing has come around in more recent years. So the Summerton man's hair was able to be removed from the plaster, the bust. There was some hair stuck to it. So they were able to take that. But then again, everybody got so excited. I believe this was around 2016-ish. 
Um, everyone got so excited about it, but basically all they found was that on the mother's side, there was European ancestry and that's about all they got from it. So they were like, cool. Didn't do as much as they thought. Disappointing. A little bit of ancestry, but not exactly. Was he, um, cremated? I know it said something about that. I was going to say, because they could test his bones. I think he was, because they well, burned like, all of the evidence, too. Why would they do Wait, that? Wait, what? They burnt, yeah, that's another thing. Oh, okay. Well, then just, you can continue then. He I was cremated, know. yes. What? So Summerton Man was Shady. cremated. I know, there's Shady. so many bizarre things in this case. So Summerton yeah, Man was cremated. Sense. Sorry, it was something, I knew I had read it, but forgot to write down. Um, he was cremated. I guess, cremated. though, it was 1948. It's not like they were like, in the future, we could test oh, the we'll bones. Look at this yeah. yeah, true. Okay. Well, fine. But go on. Do they take photos of the body or like just a They bust? do have a ton of photos of okay. the body. So that was the other thing I was going to say was a lot of the evidence was also burned after this case. I don't know the reason for that. But I think it was a normal thing that they did in order to save space because they had taken photos of everything and they believed that was enough. I don't know if that was just a thing of the times, but they were like, we have photography of all of this. We've looked into all of this. Like now we can burn this stuff or else it's just a super fishy, suspicious, horrible thing that the police did. You can look at it either way. Yeah. But they tried to justify it as like we have photographs of everything. So we're good. Hmm. But um. They, yeah, so now basically we're relying on the DNA of, like, these hairs. Like, this is kind of what we're looking into. So then they're continuing to look into things. Unfortunately, like, the evidence has only led them so far. Like, the strange items in his suitcase, not having any of the labels. Apparently, he also had, like, a shiv that was clearly made by himself also in the suitcase. So he thought maybe he needed to defend himself in some way, but it was otherwise just a bunch of clothing. Um. So the evidence has all now been put away. They're relying on just the photos. So people who are looking into this case today basically have to rely on the hoping the DNA testing can lead them to more. Unfortunately, Jessica Joe Justin What's Her Toes died in 2007, just six years before her link to the investigation became like a bigger deal. Um, her name was anonymous for years. I think they just referred to her as Justin for a really long time because that was what was written in the book given to Alfred. And then it's been later that they realized she may be a bigger part of it because this gets really interesting. Because she's a liar, liar, pants on fire. Yes. And her son, Robin, who was born in 1945, no, 1946. So shortly before this all went he down. Was a baby. Little he was baby. they people believe he was the biological son of the Summerton <gasps> man. Robin Thompson has a lot of similarities in his face to the Summerton man. They have very similar ears, which is which are kind of a bigger, bizarre shape that aren't on everybody. <laughs> Sorry, Robin. They're Jesus. both I know. They have it's very kind of interesting a bigger, ears. bulbous, bizarre, <laughs> like huge, dopey yeah. like ears. Think like a normal like person, but bizarre. <laughs> but like ugly. <laughs> so they both have oddly Robin. shaped ears. They're both missing their incisor teeth. Oh, what? And get this. Like Tom Cruise? Go on. Yeah. They're both missing their incisor teeth. And get this. Robin was a professional ballet dancer. Oh. Remember when I said, remember the ballet toes? Yeah. He was a ballet dancer. So was the Summerton Man. Oh. So, and they look a lot alike. They have very similar facial features as well. So it is believed that Robin was the son and it would line up and make sense. In 2013, 
Joe, Jessica, Bloop-Blop's daughter, Kate Thompson, which this is a daughter from marriage because she did marry a man with the last name Thompson shortly after Summerton Man's death. Um, She went on 60 Minutes, Kate Thompson did, and said that her mother always told her that she knew the identity of the man on the beach, but she refused to let it out of the bag. It wasn't worth it. She said this in an interview on 60 Minutes. She also revealed that her mother secretly knew how to speak Russian, which I mentioned earlier. And this was also all during the Cold War where like spy secrets were everything. So everyone believes that she was involved in spy circles. Um, maybe the Summerton man was one of her hits. Maybe they were in they were both spies but got sexually involved, romantically oh involved. Oh my god, like Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Yes. And oh, he had yes. to be killed off. Who knows? Maybe like the child was born and she was already in the relationship with this Thompson guy and was like, yeah. You can't be in the picture. So many things. To mom, should I stay or should I go now? Right? That's the name of this episode. There it is. <laughs> you just named it right there. That was wow. amazing. That was really phenomenal of you. Very creepy. Oh, thank you guys. I know. <laughs> um, also going with the spy. Maybe they theory. were both, but maybe. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Say we want theories. Maybe if they weren't spies, maybe they were both Russian ballet dancers. Oh, maybe they were both ballet dancers. Ballet maybe he taught her Russian. Maybe he was. That's exactly Russian. right. Because we don't know where he's from. Because the Russians, they love their ballet. Mm-hmm. But, but like, would you really? I mean, I'm curious about her comment about it not being. She said it wasn't worth it, right? To reveal his identity. Yeah, Meaning, that like, makes me think that maybe worth it. He wasn't worth it. Like, like or he what was trash worth the trouble, or... or like what worth what? Yeah, that would that would lean more towards like spy because speech? even it doesn't matter if you're 80 years old, if you come forward and reveal the identity of this spy or this government spook or whatever, you could still get killed. It's true. Oh, you know what I like mean? Like worth her what she worth, the danger yeah. she could be in. Yeah. I see. Mm-hmm. Anyways, now it's all. What do you think? Russian spy or dancer? Dancer for sure. Okay. <laughs> No, I don't know. I actually do like the spy theory because there's even more. Also going with the spy theory, um, Joe Jessica was passing through Sydney at the same time another man was found dead. She was actually, this is where it's even weirder. Mm. In 1945, just two and a half years before the Summerton man was found, she was traveling to give Mr. Alfred Boxall, her friend, the Rubaiyat book. At the same time, in like the same week, these timelines lined up, a PI was found dead in Sydney with a copy of the Rubaiyat next to his body. No. In May of 1945. The The whole book. book. Yeah, it wasn't just the last page this time, but the entire book. So now. That's her calling card. That's what I'm saying. Now this woman has been in the area at the same time as two men who were found dead by poison. In both cases, death was ruled suicide by poison. With a Rubaiyat book connection. And she let her friend borrow yep. that exact he book. Was, Alfred was next. Oh, I know, maybe shit. he was next, but then people started to get fishy and she, she was like, was no, like no, I gotta no. leave gotta this spy low, life behind. I gotta get a profile. kid. Yeah, I can't I gotta stay cool, man. I gotta put my spy boots up. Leaves, pumpkins, cozy sweaters. Ritualistic murder, demonic possessions, vengeful spirits. No! Pumpkin spice, Halloween decor. Oh, right, right. Okay. Uh, 
cider? Yes, that's what we're looking for. Exactly. We are obsessed with fall! And we are obsessed with our new sponsor, FabFitFun, because they just came out with their fall box, and it has all the goodies we want, and let's be honest, need to go into our favorite season. Yes, FabFitFun sent us our first box this month, and it is so much cooler than we ever expected. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box, and their 2019 fall box is on sale right now, and they still have some left. Yes. So if you love self-care, if you love scarves, if you love cheese boards, who doesn't? If you love Kate Spade and anthropology, if you love damaged hair repair masks like I do, make sure you go to www.fabfitfun.com to check out all their products. And if you're anything like us, you love scary good deals. Each FabFitFun box is $49.99, but it's for over $200 worth of stuff. Okay, listen to this. In the fall box, you could get an $80 hair straightener along with seven other full-size items. That's $30 more than the box itself costs. Bonkers. Bonkers. It's just like trick-or-treating when you go to the rich people's houses to get those full-size candy bars. Yes, exactly. FabFitFun also supports female-founded companies and works with a charity each season. Mm -hmm. Listen, for three years, we've turned down sponsors because we don't feel comfortable selling things that we don't actually use from companies that we don't actually know. But FabFitFun really impressed us, and we are so excited for our winter box. Seriously, check them out. They're so nice and such a cool company. And best part, you can get $10 off your first box by using our coupon code WEIRD at FabFitFun.com. That is $10 off your first box using our coupon code WEIRD, W-E-I-R-D, at www.FabFitFun.com. That deal is almost too scary. It's too scary! So, while many detectives and amateur sleuths around the world have conducted their own investigations with this crazy, crazy, crazy case, Adelaide University professor Derek Abbott, similar to uh, Gary Feltis, has also dedicated more than 20 years to solving this case. And all evidence has been destroyed, so he, again, he is, like, sticking with DNA. He wants to find who is related to this guy and try and go from there, finding family members. So Derek found himself very deeply involved in this story in an interesting way, because while he was researching the connection between Robin Thompson, the son of Jessica, who Mm -hmm. might be Somerton Man's son, um, unfortunately, because Robin Thompson had died in 2009, he had to just talk to his daughter, who he had with another ballet dancer. Her name's Rachel Egan, living in Queensland. As he was interviewing her and investigating more into her family, the two fell in love and are now married (gasps) with kids. Whoa. So it's very weird because they're, you could just say, what a fun love story. But apparently they got together like in weeks. Like he proposed to her after just a couple weeks and got married to her. So some people think this guy is just so invested in the case. He wanted to be married to her and like get her DNA. Well, is she hot? Oh, wow. She's really cute. She has short blonde hair and bangs and is kind of nice. So So you can't rule out love and attraction, but it is. (laughs) Not when there's blonde hair and bangs involved. (laughs) Not when she's got her cute little bob. She. How can I resist? I want to say that it's just a happy love story, but he's so obsessed with this case True. that part of me is like, was he just like, well, now I have all access to your DNA because you're my wife, which is uh. gross and weird. 
But that's the thing is he is fighting so hard to get more DNA testing done. Um, they even, the two of them together started a GoFundMe page. I was going to say, I'm sure she wants to know. She too. does too. She's Because she truly believes in it all. She's like, I really think this is my grandfather and I want to look more into this. I think him and my father, Robin, look so much alike. Like, let's get into the details of this. So both mm. of them are fighting for it. Luckily, she's on the same page. Apparently, it's going to cost about $20,000 to get more DNA strands taken, more DNA tests going, because even though they were able to kind of look at his lineage, they want to get specific fibers that can then look into where some of your cousins maybe are there existing people. Does it match up with Miss Rachel Egan? Are you guys actually related? Blah, blah, blah. So 23 in me it. Exactly. So there's still a lot to be done. Rachel is all gung ho. She's like, take my blood. Let's compare it. I want to know if this guy's my grandpa. So they're trying to raise the money. And I believe that they've set up a GoFundMe again. Apparently, it's kind of sad. They tried to do crowdfunding initially and did not raise enough. I guess enough people weren't into it. So Just put it on Reddit. should have made it their honeymoon. <laughs> their Fund. honeymoon fund. We registered we for in DNA on Zola testing. We registered for DNA testing. Um, so they're trying to, they're still trying to get that done. The last article that I read, which was late 2018, they were still trying to make it happen. And I think there are ways that you can possibly contribute. Well, why doesn't she do 23andMe? I think she is in the process of doing that and seeing who her lineage is. I know is she's so much cheaper than uh, $20,000. And also she could find out that she has like uh, an aunt or a great aunt in Kentucky. I think and then it would be like, oh, shit. She's Do done some testing because I remember she found out she like it wasn't even that interesting. It was like, you look like you're from the East Coast. Like it, they basically <laughs> were connecting her to other like East Coast lineage um, that possibly could have come over from Europe in some way. But again, it was similar to the initial testing with the Somerton man was it was sort of like, OK, we see like a little bit of your lineage, but we still haven't connected you to exact family members like they just haven't found enough yet. And apparently they need to do more comparing with the two of them, but they don't have the right fibers or something. I don't know. They need to get more. And what people are saying is like any doctor, anyone that they've talked to to get what they need is saying you have to come up with the funds. I'm not just going to do this because mm-hmm. you're curious about your family like this isn't an, an urgent enough reason is basically it. So that's why they have to raise the money. So that's the latest with them. As far as I read at the end of 2018, they were still trying to raise the funds. Um, but another interesting thing that came forward in 2011, which this would again need some DNA testing to come forward, but is pretty crazy. A woman in Adelaide said she found a picture ID in her home of a man named H.C. Reynolds, and it was an ID issued in the U.S., and the man's age perfectly lined up with the Somerton man, like born in the same year as what they're estimating his age is. And they also had similar weird ears. They had moles in the same places, and Uh they think it could absolutely be him. But Uh again, it was like they're going off the plaster or the bust, basically, because his body you know, isn't available for us to see anymore. And so they have photos of his body. They do. And they said by the time they took the photos, it had been two or three days. So they think he had decomposed a little and they're wondering if, yeah, he was puffed up. So they're like, yes, he looks like him, but it's just not hard enough evidence. We need the DNA. So guys, it's all about the DNA, which we're hoping to get Research the guy whose picture you found. Totally. So he could absolutely be HC Reynolds from the U S and again, everybody thinks he's a American anyway so um the reason I'm not like putting tons of details in this is because this is the easiest stuff to find if you google like 
true what's happening now i know our listeners can go on and i think i want to say they put the gofundme up again i feel like i saw a link for that but go see if there's anything you can do help them crowdfund and get the dna and yeah i'm now seeing that one article says they have the ability to exhume the body while the other one says he was for sure cremated so now i'm wondering if they just mean the follicles that they already have need to be like brought back out or if he truly can be exhumed now i'm confused about that but again listeners that's an easy thing i was gonna say it seems crazy to cremate a body of an unidentified person right that's potentially been murdered right and the reasoning was that they didn't you said they didn't have space or something? No, that was with uh, the evidence. They uh, were just like, we've taken I mean, our photos. Australia's huge. <laughs> nothing but space. Put them in yeah, the bush. No, that was the evidence. Australia? I don't know the reason for the body, but yeah, this... But also, like I said, it's 1948. Yeah, they, didn't they didn't know, know. that in you know 50 years that they would that have all the technology that they had. A piece of the guy's cheek and yep. learn a hell of a lot more about him. Right. That's wow. true. I know. Um, and along with people Ooh, saying, like, find, one. find the GoFundMe, there's also a website that's saying, please check your family members and check if they if their canine teeth are next to their central teeth because we're looking for people without their incisors. I just love the Reddit community because they're yes, like, let's all find Hold on. this person. Everyone in America. Start paying attention check your damn to teeth. people. Check your teeth. Okay, so well, incisors are like the pointy Derrick. ones, right? Yeah. Okay, when you first said that, I thought that was like the two front teeth (laughs) and i was like well that's a very distinguishing (laughs) characteristic you don't have those a grown man without his two front teeth like (laughs) somebody's gotta know you're gonna see that guy and like this baby who was born (laughs) 1300 feet away also is missing his that's crazy Okay, that's so bizarre. We that's her DNA involvement. testing. There's possibly an H.C. Reynolds that Dude. has to do with it. And also, if you'd like to go read more, because obviously this is just the surface. Like I told you, that awesome guy who I'd mentioned later, Jerry Feltis, he wrote a book called The Unknown Man, A Suspicious Death at Summerton Beach. And it's an extremely oh. rare book, but apparently like there are ways to find it. You just might have to spend a little money. But it's an absolute must read if you're able, because it was written by this investigator who studied the case for decades decades and he went deep he interviewed everybody imaginable he still doesn't have the answer but he has so many details that if you're feeling like a sleuth you can go in and try to connect everything he has maps of the streets and what they looked like at the time trying to track routes that like people could have gone down where this guy went what was he doing what was his plan um yeah so that's very cool and also, what do you guys think of this? Do you think it was him offing himself? Do you think he was offed? Do you no. think he's the father of the child? I don't think he killed himself. There's so many like weird things with this case. I think the fact that no one knew who he was and like all of the labels were taken out of all of his clothes, right. not That's even just I'm like thinking. the clothes on his person. The, like it does seem like he was probably a spy. Mm-hmm. This was like the age of the spy, like right. 1948. Like we didn't have the technology. Mm-hmm. So totally. it was people on the ground acting as spies. Mm-hmm. And um, her involvement too is just nuts. Hers is crazy. Yeah. And it sucks that 
she died in 2009 because she, I just feel like, would have the answers to You'd everything. you think that she would have at least written it down. I know. But, and left it to her children. Yeah, but it. her children might have been in danger, mm-hmm. especially if she was a spy. Like, the, you don't just, like, retire. Right. You're not just like, well, I'm done spying, so I I'm can just tell, tell my everything. secrets. Yeah. And that's why her name was anonymous until the day she died. She was either referred to as just, like, woman, or I think Justin at one point did become yeah. her nickname, but it wasn't until after she died that the name Jessica Thompson became public and then her daughter Kate Thompson came forward because it was like she was clearly hiding and she was being very evasive during the whole case. And I, I've seen the pictures before so I, I do understand what they're saying with like you know the decomposition had set in and maybe he was a little puffy but like it was 1948 it was not like the 1400s where there's just sketches of this person Mm -hmm. like you'd think that if you could like broadcast it to everyone in the world Mm -hmm. that someone even still to this day would be like i think that's my uncle james that's what i'm saying like how has nobody at all picked up on this i know no one interesting is missing an uncle Mm -hmm. what about that went missing in the 40s right and that the looks mosquitoes like that were feasting on, on his face. poisoned blood. Mm. Oh, I know. Did they where, d- where'd they end up? Where? What Wait, happened can to we the mosquitoes? <laughs> they gotta be dead. They had some can we nice poison. But like, were there a bunch of dead mosquitoes near the body because they had been poisoned? Right. Like, that's true. Nobody also, even mentioned that. Also, I'm concerned that. for the lives of the mosquitoes. Also, yeah, do their families no know okay. where they do are? Do their families now? Do the families of the mosquitoes know? <laughs> They got hit with poison blood. Does your family know where your mosquito is? <laughs> it's 10 p.m. Do you know where your mosquito relatives are? <laughs> I could not. Hmm. Spy, I think. What I, was he, what do we think he was doing there? Like, because obviously he was planning on leaving because he had a ticket. Yeah, he had a train ticket and a bus ticket. So it yeah, seemed like he was trying to get away. Maybe he did something wrong or maybe he was just there to visit jessica and that's true but maybe someone found out about him and the the baby and that was how they offed him and posed him so nicely or maybe he found out about the baby and she didn't want him to know about the baby oh true what were the two there were two potential poisons yeah and were those like easily accessible to people at that time yes because the other guy who was found poison who also had the rubaiyat book it, they believed it was the same poison it's like it uh, comes from a flower that starts with like a, a white D. oleander Di- it was diabolical something it was I'll diabolical is what it, it was. was diabolical i know i know i have both of them written down oh digitalis or strophanthin are both ones that can fade away and not okay be. Detected, and they believed that Digitalis was the case in both of those poisoned men. Did it say at all how the other guy was found? I know he was found, the PI that was murdered. Mm-hmm. I know he was found with a copy of that book next to him, but did it say like how he like was he also on a beach or in a public? He wasn't place? on a beach. He was in his home, but I don't know that he was posed as perfectly. I think he was very like splayed out. Mm-hmm. They that's why they believe his was a suicide because it looked to them like he just drank something and then collapsed in his home. But he did have the book. But you'd think that the Somerton man was more of a suicide because he was sitting watching like the sunset right. over the ocean right, right. and it's like and he, he had that a very poetic right thing in his pocket. Yeah, like this is the end and 
I know, which in a way there when I was hearing all of that, there was a part of me that said maybe it was suicide. Maybe he went to try to be with Jessica and she denied him and said, I'm going to raise this baby with someone else. And he being poetic, like wanted that page in his pocket to like have someone see that was his suicide note. But then I go back to the labels off the clothing Mm -hmm. and why. Yeah. Why? How he was posed so perfectly, because it seemed like somebody set him up in the position he was in. It just seems a little bizarre. Maybe, ooh, no. What? Maybe he was the one that killed the PI because oh. that happened before. Mm-hmm. He like was the one that killed before. the PI. He was the one that that book was so important to. Mm. He got Jessica the book because mm-hmm. he loved her. She just gave it to her friend because she's a right. bitch. She's the Sorry, worst. Sorry, Jessica. Like I don't know. Love you, girl. You. Um, <laughs> she just gave it to her friend, but that was his calling card. Which is why he didn't have the whole book on him. Right. He just ripped Had the that last page. Tom and should out to mom. To mom, mom should out and put it in his pocket. And that was Could kind be. of his like, hey, everyone who uh, was found dead with that book next to them are my victims. That was because of me. This and is a, me admitting to it. Like 60 years later, people are like, what does it mean? <laughs> and he's like in heaven, like, God damn. Damn it. I spelled it out for you. I, lit- I, I gave you everything. You. I gave you all it of was the details. <sighs> if only we could know who he was. Who? Yeah. <laughs> Guys, that's the thing that's bothering me about this story is who was this guy? I, I mean, who was he? I mean, like, who was he, though? The no, one I thing that I would say. choose to know is who was this guy? It's just the thing I can't get past. No, I was going to say I wish we could... Whoever obviously threw the book with the torn page, page. into the into car, car was like, if it was her, or it was it him, was or it was a third person, if it was him, or if it was a third person, because mm-hmm. that's the thing is like he, if he was just anxious to like get his suicide over, ripped out that page, threw it in the nearest car, and maybe her response to seeing his bust or whatever, maybe she didn't know he was dead, like maybe she didn't know he was planning true. to kill himself. Very true, true. And that was her finding out. But she knew what he, what line of work he was in. So that's why she couldn't say anything about it for the rest of her life. Or maybe he was life. murdered by someone else and she was scared because like finding out he was dead, she recognized she might be in danger. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Guys. No. Oh. Sorry. I found oh. the answer to the cremated versus <gasps> not. Okay. Spill. <gasps> okay, so uh, people were arguing about it, so it wasn't just me being a complete dum dum. His body was not cremated. That's how they're planning on getting more DNA evidence. They want to exhume the body, and that's what's costing the 20000 Robin was cremated after he died, the supposed son. So they were sad about that. Robin died? Rob, yeah. Remember? Because when he, when. Uh, Abbott, the professor at the college, went looking. He really wanted to find Robin, interview him, but he had died in 2009. However, he had a daughter, Rachel Egan, who he fell in love with and married. Yes, yes, And that's why, so that's the thing, is he was so sad Robin died and was cremated. That's where the cremation came from, because he said, dang it, end of the line. No, wait, I'll just marry the daughter and get all the DNA I want. (laughs) Guys. Guys. We've just cracked the we case. No, we haven't case. cracked. We cracked one part of the case. <laughs> oh, good Lord. That was confusing. I was like, was he dig cremated or not? Dig no. So the $20,000 is to exhume the body again. So they 
The thing was they thought they could figure stuff out with the hair from the plaster. However, that's leading to dead ends. So they need more specific fibers from the body. Okay. Phew. I've dipped into an Australian accent now. I can't stop. <laughs> you can, uh, there, oh, maybe there's no, I don't know how bodies decompose, but you can test the bones. Yeah. Uh, like you can test like there's bone marrow probably they have still weights. somewhere. That's yeah. why they well, need to get this money. I'm going to contribute to this GoFundMe. God damn it. There's a body. Let's do this. There's a body? Now that then, I know there's ooh. a body, maybe I'll give him a I few know. bones. It was old Robin. A few bones for them bones. Wink. That's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Who was this guy? This is either a very elaborate murder or a very sad suicide filled with a lot of strange coincidences. No matter what, this remains one of my all-time favorite unsolved mysteries. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, huge thank you to Hannah Boetz for sitting down with us for four hours last week to record this three-part episode. I know you haven't heard a ton from her yet, but next week she's covering yet another mystery. Another one of my faves. But I can't tell you what it is. Sorry. Check out our Instagram page because we'll be giving out clues to the next episode for the next seven or so days. Make sure you follow us on social media at Keep It Weirdcast across all platforms. Check out our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast to find ways you can support the show by donating $1, $5, or $10 a month to get discounts on merchandise, newsletters, and even a full bonus episode every single month. October would be the month to do it if you haven't already since we are going to be taking a little vacay from the show, but our patrons will still be getting all of their goodies, including the full episode in October. You can also head over to our Etsy page at www.etsy.com slash shop slash keep it weird podcast to grab some merch or our YouTube channel to check out our videos. Let this story be a lesson to you. You really can't ever know who you are dating. Can they murder in cold blood? So much so that they have their own calling card. And are they a spy or just a dancer with really athletic legs? Watch your back and keep it weird. If you have any information regarding the cases presented tonight, please call 1-800-876-5353. If you wish, you need not give your name. 1-800-876-5353.